the distrust of the government, I think, has become a point of almost unreasoning distrust because our government has proven time and time again now at this point, since, really since then, that it is not trustworthy, that it right. will lie to the public to right. proliferate its power. Right. And and so I'm not saying I, <laughs> I certainly am not saying I buy into anything QAnon are saying or anything anybody that's proliferating the big lie are saying, but I can say that understanding sort of how this country had to swallow the Warren Commission despite not believing it and now finding out what shit it is, what shit that was. It's, it's insane. It, ma- the Warren Commission- it, makes com- it absolutely makes complete sense that there are citizens of this republic that are willing to believe that Hillary Clinton eats babies like I eat num, num, bacon. Num, 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 num. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised, these apes are not emotional support animals, and they fling verbal poo. Listen with caution. I finally saw Spider-Man. About I finally got time. to see Spider-Man. I had last weekend. I, I worked nine hours on Saturday, and about halfway through the day, I said to Katie, "I'm taking myself to a movie. I'm going to see Spider-Man. You're not coming with. <laughs> I need, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of talking to people because I was on and off Zoom calls and phone calls all day and all this other shit. And I want to disconnect and I want to enjoy this movie that I've been looking forward to for a while." A long time, yeah. So I went and saw Spider-Man at a new movie theater in my new neighborhood that I, I couldn't even tell you where this movie theater was. Like, it's in such a part of Chicago that I've never been to. <laughs> um, is it the Portage Theater? It's not the Portage Theater. Uh, the okay, Portage Theater's not over in that area. Yeah, Portage okay, is right, yeah. right up the way. Yeah, it's right up the way from Okay, because that's right in your neighborhood right now. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's not open yet. Um, yeah, so unsurprisingly, loved it. Great film. I do want to see it again a couple more times. Um, my big thing is this. Spoilers. Yeah, if you, you know, dear listener, if you haven't seen it yet, like if turn Saturday it off. Night Live had to make a joke about stop watching yeah. uh, Spider Man, yeah. then then if you haven't seen it yet, just shut up. Yeah, go ahead, spoil. I've seen it, so I, it doesn't spoil anything for me. First of all, I knew that that that, that Toby. And Andrew were going to be in the film. Like I knew that they were bringing in the, the other. The I other thought Peter they Parkers. were, but I didn't know. But yeah. I, I knew that was happening. What I was excited about was how are they going to build them in? How are they going to bring them in? And what's their story arc? And is it going to be just fan service bullshit, or like is it actually going to matter? So I was excited about that, and I think they pulled it off flawlessly. I think so too. I agree. And kudos, and like, hey Disney, we are Star Wars people. Take note. Yeah. Fuck your fan service. Serve the story. Serve the story. Well, what I was, and I, well, it was one of the things I saw it over Christmas with my mom. And the thing that, that really struck me, because, you know, once once you see Andrew Garfield show up, you know Tobey Maguire's on his way. Right. And so I was prepared for it. 
But when Toby Maguire comes out just in his T-shirt and his jeans or whatever yeah. he was wearing. Like your dad. He's like Maguire. a fucking soccer I, dad. Yeah. I got I got really emotional. I mean, not like weepy. I didn't start weeping at that point. But yeah. I did. I really, it really caught me off guard how how that impacted me. And I think the filmmakers, when they when they were putting it together, they knew they knew that this would impact people like me, and yeah. they they gave me they gave me what I needed. That was all the fan service I needed. They served the fans I, by serving the story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think they really put those three together. I thought that Garfield's Spider Man, which I don't know if you've seen his two amazing Spider Mans, but they're not I, I good. have they're, no, they're yeah, shit. they're not. Yeah, they're not good. He got a, um, and, and he got not, a bad rap on it. It's hard because seeing him a, in this was like, oh, yes. Well, you realized, first of all, he's actually quite good in the character. Yeah. And quite frankly, when he catches MJ, the look on his face was... Oh, we're going to get to that. That was redemption. We're going to get that to that in a second. That was complete redemption. And, and it was so, such a lovely thing to see. So, I, yeah, I really I liked it. And I think what'll be really cool is... If because there's all these calls in on the internet, you know, for give give Andrew Garfield his third Spider-Man film, and they could maybe do it right this time because those first two movies were pure shit. He was oh they great. were terrible. There were moments from Dennis maybe, Leary was good. Yeah, I, I liked mean, the Gwen were... Stacy thing. I thought the the lizard guy was good. You know, I mean, but all together for the was, most part, it the, was just... some of the parts were pure shit. Was pure poorly, shit. poor. It was yeah. very poorly put together. Twice, um, both movies. They had, both of them. you know, they take Jamie Fox, who is one of the uh, great, one of the greater actors of his generation, and they make him play this nerd character that is so. It, it might as well have been a Saturday. It might have been like an in living color moment. Yeah. It was really, it was really bad. Yeah. And then they make him blue. In fact, that's what I read. Right. Was it Jamie Foxx? That was the only thing he requi- required for him to be in Spider-Man: No Way Home was that they not make him blue. No, they made him look like the comic book character. They made him look like Electro. Yeah, and that's what. Like, why they didn't do that in the whatever? We're not going to pick apart the Amazing Spider-Man now, but the Andrew Garfield bit when he saved MJ in the way it's that he so, could not save Gwen Stacy, which is also a, co- a huge comic book thing. Huge. He made a different choice in that saving because he didn't he didn't flip her with the web. Mm-mm. He dove and caught her, then caught them mm-hmm. with his web, which prevented so he learned his lesson. And when he says to her, Are you okay? And MJ says, Yes. And then she looks at him and he's like, Uh she goes, Are you okay? Yeah, that and was he a, goes, just the look on his face was wonderful. So there is if there is another Andrew Garfield Peter Parker Spider Man movie. They basically have a blank slate because his his trajectory, like his the thing that's been haunting him, is as resolved as I think it could possibly be. Well, I so think it's a lot very they can interesting do with him now, which is which is fun and exciting. In the argument, in the argument, which is who who is the best of the three Spider Mans that are, and, and arguably you could say mm-hmm. Miles Morales in uh, Spider Verse. Is another version, but who's the best Spider-Man? Andrew Garfield. What I really liked about how they played the game was, and it, and it was necessary because Tom Holland's Peter Parker had not had to endure the death of Uncle Ben. You know, and I mean, oh, he did we endure. Need to talk about that in a second, but go yeah, on. he did endure. He did did endure the death of Tony Stark, but that was a different kind of. That was a kind of a different kind of thing going on. What I really liked was. Toby Maguire, you know, his Spider-Man had to deal with he let Martin Sheen die. Nope. 
Tobin or Maguire. not Martin Sheen. Who that, did he? Martin okay, Sheen who's, was oh, Cliff Garfield. Robertson. Car, Cliff yeah. Robertson. Cliff yeah. Robertson was Uncle Ben. But he actually did the traditional Spider-Man. Yeah. My Uncle Ben died. I fucked it up. With great power comes great responsibility. And that's his track. Okay, Andrew Garfield, we never see that. We see the Uncle Ben, but and we see a lot of that, but it's really about his dad, mm-hmm. and his dad is is like this covert scientist for for Oscorp, right? So that kind of shit. Well, his real the thing he had to deal with was the death of Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Well, Tom Holland Spider Man had not had to endure this person sacrificed themselves for me, this kind of moment where he loses that person and he loses May and he loses May and she becomes his Uncle Ben. So it's almost like this third movie was the end end of his origin story. We finally got to that thing that motivates every Spider-Man that there is, every character of Spider-Man, every version of Spider-Man there is, has that moment where great power comes with great responsibility, the death of somebody very close to them, this sense of loneliness, this sense of I'm all by myself, that is is as endemic to Spider-Man's sort of like trajectory as this whole as thing. almost as almost anything else. And Tom Holland's character, his Spider-Man has not had that yet. So it's almost like okay, we we introduced him in Captain America Civil War. We got to be funny. That was cool. Now we've got our three movies. Now he's at that point where he has lost everything and everyone. He is all by himself and he can't... He's all by himself. He is now really Spider-Man. So now I'm well, looking forward to three more movies with Tom Holland so we we see him become Spider-Man because now he gets to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Yes, yes, and no. Here, here's the thing: is so when 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 Tom Holland's Spider-Man started, there was Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, and he says something to Tony Stark. Tony's like, "Why do you do this, kid?" And he says, "When you when you can do the things that I can do, uh, what, what, shit, what does he say? And and when you're able to do what I can do, and you don't use them for good, people get hurt." Something yeah. like that, which is like a different version of with great power comes great responsibility. And in Tom Holland's Spider-Man, he's, they never explicitly say Ben Parker, Uncle Ben. There, it's never addressed. But there is a luggage tag that has BMP or something with something that you assume is Ben Parker. I think it's in um, Far From Home when he's packing his bags. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we assume... Because he talks about Ned when he talks talking with Ned about getting bit by a spider, so we assume that it's the exact same origin story that we all know and love from Spider-Man. He gets bit by a spider. He goes and he's a wrestler, and he lets the guy go. With with the Tom Holland trilogy, like we, I feel like they purposely avoided the origin story in the way similar to how they did it with uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Like, okay, we're into this one more time. Like we've all seen it and heard it. Let's not get through it again. But with Tom Holland, we just we we got it that he talks to he Ned. He just was Spider Man. He was bit by a spider. He does a thing, and he says, "Well, you to don't Tony, see him. You, you don't, don't see it. him bit you by a spider. It, He's he already Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. He talks about it. But he says to Tony at some point. I, I believe it's in Civil War. Uh, you know, you, you when you can do what I do, and you don't, and you don't do it, 
people get hurt. Yeah, for good. And I which understand like, that, that, that like, you see I, that as the great power of that's, right, it's responsibility. It's a different version of that. So I, I, would, assume, I, would argue, I would argue that introducing him to, to Tony Stark is one of the things that's most interesting about Spider-Man in Civil War and then in Far From Home, more more importantly in, in uh, or no, wait, what, what's the first one? Homecoming. Homecoming, yeah. Um, is that... He goes from great power to great responsibility to wanting to be an Avenger. He yeah. wants to be important. He wants to fight the big bad guys. And that was never Spider-Man's trajectory. So introducing him to Tony Stark right out of the gate changed his trajectory. He became more shallow. At the end of No Way or Homecoming, he says, no, I don't want to be an Avenger. I just want to be a kid. So it's a different, it, and that's what again. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to okay, go back. I get that. I don't think that he becomes Let, more shallow. I think that well, that he has just like a different bigger journey. ideas. Like I can and help going, all these people, not just my neighborhood. Let's do that. And yeah. going back to my original point that I liked about uh, No Way Home is that they show each one: Tobey Maguire Spider Man, Andrew Garfield Spider Man, and Tom Holland Spider Man. They've all had completely different trajectories, completely different influences, different perspectives on the world and different tragedies that they've had to endure. So I think the Tom Holland had to go, I mean, that character went through the Tony Stark. He's been to space already. I think he's, you're, he, you're giving he's it saved. too much. You're giving it too I, much connective tissue. I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that like this was their, maybe it was a plan all along, but it was, when May got hit, oh with God, Green, that was with devastating. Green Goblin's glider mm -hmm. in the way that Toby. Well, that was rough. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough, man. And you knew May was going to. When but when May sit and it's like, oh my God, heartbroken. Like that sucks. Holy shit! Because now he. Because I'm thinking as I'm watching it, oh my God, he lost Uncle Ben. He lost Tony. He lost Aunt May. He has nothing because the other Sp Spider Man. Peters, whatever, through all of it, they lost Uncle Ben, they lost Gwen Stacy, but they always had Aunt May. I mean, I know there are there are issues and there are where Aunt May dies and eventually she whatever, but like the core, the core of Spider-Man, yeah. he always had Aunt May. So He's all Aunt, by himself now. When I love Aunt it. May dies, I think, oh fuck. He's he's lost that. I mean that that that's it. So, but when she says the words, when she utters the words after how many movies? He's been in what four Three, or five movies? Four or five movies. Four or five movies. But right? this is his third big movie. Yeah, the third. Oh, yeah. The third when she yeah. says it, when it she was says like, that the was, words that are key, oh, that just, are absolutely key and central to Spider Man. Those exact it, words. It was perfect. I went. I thought. Oh fuck! What is happening? Is she quoting Uncle Ben? Because the way that he received it, he had never heard that before. So I'm no. thinking, holy shit! And then we have the three Spider-Man together, and when Tom Holland says it, and the the other two finish the thought, because because they both have gone through a universe, through they've been through a universe where their stories right. included that from Uncle Ben, or, right? Or but he and, says my Uncle this... Ben said it. My Uncle Ben said it, and then I'm like, oh, did. But Peter's, but Tom Holland's Peter, Uncle Ben didn't did, say it. He did not. He did not say it. But Aunt May, so that twisted me That's up. Brilliant. And then, 
and it is brilliant. And it's so it's so I don't think I, I I spent the last week thinking that the three Tom Holland and arguably you know the the Civil War yeah, the three yeah, and a yeah. half whatever Civil or War the, the, and then the Tom Holland Spider Man journey Infinity right? War and Endgame yeah sure that that has been an origin story but I think now after sitting with it for a bit that his origin story is no way home it's not the other yeah. two because it's a different he he is a different peter parker he is a different spider-man because yeah. he will go on in a world where mj is not a part of him yeah where oh i don't know all, if that's necessarily true i mean Maybe, but he left her alone. He left her alone. Well, so we'll, he left, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. He left her alone, but when you have the star power of Zendaya and everybody right. loves her, um, there's yeah. no chance that she's not going to be in the next three, which but are means... The, but, are the next, but I don't know that the next three are... Like, do we know, and I don't. Are the no, next no. three films that Tom Holland has signed up for... Are they Spider-Man films or are they MCU films? Where he's they're Spider-Man films. He, the, I, I, is that, this, okay? this, this is straight, I, I straight from Kevin yeah. Feige uh, that they are going to do three more. The thing, the thing that they're doing, um, and I think it's interesting. I did. I would not love like, that because uh, I'm so curious because now he I, is I did not, Spider-Man from he's 1961 Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. The Grand thing I didn't new. care he's for. Got nothing. I don't. I don't care. Even I, less, like when they, actually. They brought in uh, Eddie Brock and, uh, and, uh, and Tom. Oh, we need to talk about that. Yeah, I, I don't give a shit about that. But what they're doing is Sony, and I, again, I think this is actually, it's it's a weird way around, and I think they're being incredibly creative on how they're doing it. Sony doesn't really, they still have the rights to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But they've kind of given the rights to Spider-Man back to Marvel because they know they can do it better. Right. But they still have rights to all the bad guys, to to, to sort of the world mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. So you have Morbius that's coming out, Mobius. You have Venom, the two Venom films. So they're doing that. Well, I think now they have opened with, with No Way Home. They've opened it up that now the game is afoot that Sony and MCU are going to be combining stuff and, and creating opportunities to combine their universes. It's kind of a brilliant strategy in a, in a, we're going to dominate all media. Um, you know, yeah. fear me, I am Thanos and you will pay attention to me kind of shit. It's, it's a little, it's a little, I think uh, it's great. I, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens because the, the last 30, 45 minutes of, no way home. Yeah, sent me into an emotional, just was the best thing. tornado of like, what are they doing and what is yeah. happening? It's it's great. I'm so happy with it. But like, because they they basically they put they put Peter back in a shitty apartment. They give him everything that every Peter he Parker goes back has to his original had. costume. He goes back to the original, original cloth costume, costume without. But he has everything that yeah. every Spider Man has always had, except. He does not have Aunt May. Yeah, that's a very different. And it's a, what th- does that mean? Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about something not Marvel related. You, what, what since I've there? known you, and we've yeah. really never had a conversation about this, not in any kind of depth. You have been a JFK conspiracy theorist since I've known you, and far longer than that, I'm sure. 
It's funny and, you say that because the other, literally the other day I was thinking, conspiracy theorists have gotten a really, they fucked up the brand. <laughs> because when I got into the JFK thing, and, I'll t- and I was very into the JFK thing. I know, you've said that, but I've never time. really talked to you about it. Yeah. It began, I was babysitting my brother, I was in eighth grade. JFK had come out, the movie, the Oliver Stone film, JFK, had come out in 1992. And it was on HBO in sometime in 1993. And I can remember I was sitting in my parents' bedroom on the floor watching this movie. I was flipping through the channels. And JFK came out, and Kevin Costner was on the TV, and I was like, oh, Kevin Costner, I like him, I like Field of Dreams, I like Dance with Wolves, what's this movie, JFK? Okay, great. I was supposed to be babysitting my brothers, they're downstairs doing fuck all, I don't know. And um, I get engrossed immediately into this movie. John Candy is in it, Tommy Lee Jones, like, it's a great film. My grandfather comes over. Okay. And he I comes, I remember him coming upstairs, <laughs> And he goes, because my grandparents live next door to us when we, where we grew up. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm watching this movie. He goes, you're supposed to be watching your brothers. And I'm like, are they okay? He goes, yeah. I go, so what's the problem? He's like, uh, I don't know. I go, and I said, Poppy, have you seen JFK? He said, no. I said, do you, do you remember when, when John Kennedy was killed? And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, what were you doing? He said, I was at the store. We, you know, we had the first shop, the first store. And I said... Well, and that—that's it. And he's like, "Yeah, I was at the store, and it happened, and we, like, I I called your grandmother, and like, it was this very mundane like Mm -hmm. thing." And at the time, I can remember thinking, "What the fuck? Like, how do you not flip your shit? The president was just shot." But now I look, I can look at that and go, "Oh, this is like those moments of nine eleven of." Of of January 6th, where you're like, you call people and you're like, are you good? Are you okay? We don't know what's going on. Like, news is unfolding. Let's be... And my grandfather was always a very cool cucumber, you know? Like, he was not like me, like, like oh my God, this is going to change America and the world. Holy fuck. He didn't notice that shit. But he also didn't have that kind of history. Like, I've had the knowledge of Pearl Harbor, which he lived through. I had the knowledge of... Kennedy assassination, which he lived through. I had the knowledge of 9-11, which he lived through. Mm-hmm. He didn't live through nine, uh, January 6th. Anyway. So I got it. So I'm watching so I would JFK. argue. I would argue that January 6th does not quite uh, meet the bar of those other issues. Well, but that's we, another... We can, we can have, uh, yeah, we can have that conversation. Yeah. We can have that conversation uh, some other time. So anyway, so yes, I get really... So I'm in eighth grade... Um, I get really into this JFK thing and like every project, every oral speech that I could give, anything for the next however many years I'm in school, if I could find a way to make it about the Kennedy assassination, (laughs) I'm doing that. I read books. I watched documentaries, the shitty ones, the good ones. I fucking read news. I went to the library and read, you know, the, the, what is the film? It's, where you have the Zapruder film? No. Well, oh, yes, the mic- microfilm. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah so I microfiche. did all that shit. All of it. And I got to a point where I 
the more I learned, the less I knew. Mm. Because facts started to contradict each other. It just got, there's just so much shit. Okay. But I was, re- I, I am, this this idea that the conspiracy theorists today is like, you're a conspiracy theorist with the Joe Biden and the you know, yeah. Hillary Clinton I've, fucking I've, pizzas and... And eating babies. I yeah. have two questions related to this. First yeah. of all, one, well, well, one I want to, because I know you don't have, uh, you don't have Showtime, but there's a new documentary that, of course, our favorite conspiracy theorist when it comes to the Kennedy assassination, Oliver Stone... He's got a four-hour version coming out in February, but God. it's a two. There's a two-hour version out on Showtime right now, and I was sitting and I kind of put it in my "Hey, up next" kind of queue, and I was sitting on the floor and drinking a little bit of rye, and 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 Dana was sitting on the couch. I'm like, you know what? I what the fuck, man? Let me watch this. Yeah, I've always questioned the Warren Commission. You know, I mean, I watched JFK. Warren Commission is bullshit. There are lots and lots of people that. That just bought into it. Because I would talk to my dad about this. We would have, like, arguments. And I was a, I was a kid who was born in 1979, right? Fair, far enough removed from the JFK assassination and the House Committee on Assassinations for the Warner Commission and everything else. And I would say, Dad, he, who was 13 years old and homesick mm-hmm. from school the day that Kennedy happened. And his response, like... Dad, tell me about the Kennedy assassination. You were there. You were alive. He's like, I don't. I was. I was thirteen. I was home sick from school. I was watching the Bozo Show, and I remember being really annoyed when the Bozo Show got interrupted with this bullshit about Kennedy being killed. My dad didn't care. It wasn't a thing. He was thirteen. Who cares? Well, there are a lot of people that didn't care. Right. Of course. But but he didn't care. Not because he's like, oh fuck that guy or anything. Or he was. Mm-mm. He was a kid. He was a child yeah. at home, sick at home. The president was not that big a deal to him. Yeah, I get it. And in his life, as it progressed, you know, he's like, President Lee Harvey Oswald, great. Okay. Like, it just wasn't a thing for him. But my dad is also one of those guys that was not engaged in the 60s in the way that, like, those of us well, yeah. who are not alive in the 60s are engaged well, in the 60s. There was only know? a very small portion of yeah. the 60s that right. were the 60s. But anyway. right. right. Going back to this documentary, he makes the comment that uh, originally, um, like two to three million documents were redacted and mm-hmm. were marked as classified, mm-hmm. and were and and in the in the Warren Commission were not supposed to be released to the public until twenty twenty nine. Right. But because of JFK, because of the movie right. that he made. The 1982 um, they, film, yeah. They really, upped, they really upped it. And so there are millions of documents for the last 10 years that have been available to the public. All, like, insider shit. Now, here are but some of the like things... a lot of it is redacted oh, no. bullshit. Oh, no. And, no, yeah. it's not redacted at all. This is all unredacted stuff. This is all this shit that nobody got to see before. But there's so much of it that it's taken about 10 years of the billions, or maybe not billions, the hundreds of amateur, like, conspiracy theorists that go, like, they, they have one guy in this movie, in this documentary, who who is at the National Archives so often looking through documents after document after document that they let him set a desk up 
and have his own computer and his own scanner That's because amazing. the guy just, he practically lived there. So here are some of the things that I didn't know that he, that Oliver Stone didn't know. And it's in the order that I, cause I'm, I am now, I don't know who did it and, and it's the one flaw, but I don't actually think it's a flaw is that Stone has a theory on who assassinated Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. because of all of this material, it is a lot more credible, but he doesn't know. But what he can demonstrate, and, and I mean in a way that I had not expected, because the, it's like you said, was Lee Harvey Oswald, did he do it or not? There's a lot of conflicts, right? Yeah. Okay, well, there's a couple of things that have never been, and this documentary brings to light. So I just want to throw them out at you real quick. Um, first of all, the magic bullet the chain of custody is completely fucked. I mean, and they have records. Well, I mean, but they have records now. Instead of just supposing, oh, the chain of custody, this makes no sense. They actually have records that demonstrate people that said they had the bullet. They said they found the bullet because they assumed it fell out of his body. Mm-hmm. But then later said it was in the the Texas governor's leg. I right. mean, none of it made sense, okay? Right. Right. Second, the rifle that J- Lee Harvey Oswald had was not the same ri- was not the same rifle as the one they found in the book depository. Right. The the rifle in the book depository was 4.2 inches longer and didn't have the same stock. It's amazing. And there were no there were no fingerprints that were usable right. at all. Right. Oswald could not have been on the stairs in the book depository because for the first time we know that there wasn't just one witness going down the stairs. There were three women in that building going down the stairs at the same time at different points in that, and none of them saw Leva Harvey Oswald. So we know that that's all bullshit. Mm. We know that Kennedy's brain, the pictures that they have in the National Archive, cannot possibly be JFK's brain. It cannot be his brain because it is, first of all, almost completely intact. And one of the the leading forensic pathologists in the country at the time saw the brain and said, this can't possibly be his brain because this has been in formaldehyde for three weeks. Ew. <laughs> so it wasn't his brain. So his brain was swapped out. One of the things I didn't know, and I don't know if you know this, did you know about the two other plots to assassinate Kennedy in Chicago and Tampa? Yeah. I see. I'd never heard that yeah. before. Oh, yeah. That are identical. They're identical yep. Yep. to the Oswald thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that they didn't, they they thought they knew, but they did not have any documentation. But they have documentation that Kennedy was definitely pulling out of Vietnam. Not just that there was rumor or maybe he was gonna. Well, they have yeah. written transcripts of Kennedy saying, "I'm pulling out of Vietnam," which is the first time they've actually had that information in their hands. That I don't know. That's interesting to me. He was definitely, McNamara was instructed to start pulling out units, not individual soldiers, units. Yeah. And so he makes the case that it was the CIA. It's a convincing case, but up to the point he starts trying to make that case, because that's still a lot, that's speculative. Everything up to that point, there is no question in my mind, 
no matter who did it, the Warren Commission was unmitigated horseshit from my perspective of watching this documentary. Yeah, that's... So what do you think of that? For years, I felt the same as you do right now, what you just said about... Well, I don't even think Lee, Lee... that Oswald is there. I don't think that. But as the years went by, it was like, well, maybe, maybe he was. And then, like, when you start thinking about, like, was Oswald there, you have to start thinking about why Oswald was there. And was Oswald a patsy? Yes, I think. But why was he the patsy? And who was he a patsy for? And how and why? And okay, so if he was CIA, why the CIA? What was their interest in this thing? Because the easy answer for me at this point right now is 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 mafia working with CIA because the mafia did not like like they got they got Jack elected and then immediately Jack and Bobby were like fuck you guys Hoffa fuck you I love the why and I do um but what this documentary did for me did you know that Lee Harvey Oswald had a paraffin test and was it was concluded at the station that day he had not fired a firearm yeah then there is no chance, there's no chance he was a shooter because he did not shoot a gun right. that day. Right, but... So it doesn't matter. He could have been up there spying for him. He did not take a shot. Matter. But was Lee Harvey Oswald involved? Was he in the stairwell when he was running down? Was he... No, there were three witnesses doesn't matter. that say they, that he was not there. It does matter. If he was not there, then he was not there. This is the problem, Don. This is exactly my issue, is that the more I read and the more I learned the less I knew because things started to contradict themselves. And it's not just... And Lee Harvey Oswald, I believe, is the linchpin of which way do we go to focus our investigation. Whether he shot him... I don't think that Oswald shot him. I don't think Oswald pulled a trigger. I don't think that Oswald... 83% of the country at the time and today don't believe Oswald shot him. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting number. LBJ. I heard a recording on this documentary. LBJ didn't believe he shot him. Oh, shut the fuck up with LBJ. That's not a thing. He is not a a valuable witness on this at all. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying in terms of public opinion, very, very few people bought the Warren Commission. Very few people in this country I bought the Warren it, Commission. I'd like to see those like numbers. Like 83%. The people that, I, that I've spoken to that have lived through it are like, Oswald, if, if he wasn't the lone gunman, he was a gunman or he was involved somehow or... 83%, and this is what I looked up. I looked it up before the podcast. 83% of the country at the time within three months of that did not, or within three months of the Warren Commission declaring... Lee Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald was the sole killer. 83% of the country 
did not believe the Warren Commission's conclusion. The interesting thing about this, and if we look that's at That's what it I read. I mean, the, I could be wrong, lens, but that's what I read. If we look at it through the lens of today, because I, I, I believe that a lot of what we're dealing with politically and socially today... This is, is not, my next question. It's not the same as what was going on in the 1960s, but it's, it's similar. And if I think about the things that my grandfather said, that my grandmothers have said, that my fathers have said, that, that lived through the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. Knowledge takes time. Like, things unfold. We learn new things. And at the time, in 1963, when the Cold War was at its peak, we'd just come off of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And when the president, when our president of the United States, our leader, the head of fucking state, gets fucking killed in broad daylight in our own country, surrounded by a shitload of people. This is not like Abraham Lincoln, where a similar thing happened, but nobody... The guy just showed up, you know, yeah, boom, jump, simper, t- yeah, it was got very, it. Um, it's very easy for us to go, well, Jesus Christ, this has to be the fucking Russians. This has to be the Russians. And that was the immediate thing, because this is war. And that that, that initial reaction, which makes perfect sense... Mm-hmm. It, it, it does, in the initial reaction to what happened that Friday morning or that Friday afternoon, 1963, uh, it, that guides every other thought process that comes with it as we start to put things together. Mm-hmm. Was it Russia? I don't think so. Nope. No, I think it was. I, I think it was the so. CIA. I think again, it was. We, we I think know. it was mafia and CIA because Kennedy. Right, so, I, God, it's, it's so hard to talk about. Yeah, this I know. There's Let so me ask you a follow up. All right, so let's yeah. get out of the minutia like, of keep, the actual keep, keep of the, the actual corral, conspiracy. Keep me in the here's my here's my secondary question. Mm. This conspiracy and the cover up, and that's what most Americans, quite frankly, from the this, the polling that I've looked at, and I've looked at it in the last couple of days. The polling says that most people believe that it was a cover-up. It's really reverberated throughout the American dream. Now, my question is, do you think, because prior to this, there was, I mean, you know, we can talk about Jim Crow all we want. We can talk, but there was, there was in general sort of a, a, a patriotic view because we had just come off of World War II we convinced ourselves that Dude, we won Jack, the Jack war. Jack was a war hero? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. We won the war. It wasn't the Russians that won the war. We won the war. <laughs> right. Whatever. You know. Right. But this seems to be, as far as I can tell, the first time where the the majority of the public did not buy. Something awful and catastrophic happened. The government... I put that in air quotes, mm. said this is what happened. And a, a, a huge plurality of Americans did not believe it, but accepted it as sort of the way things go. Then you go, not even 10 years later, you have Watergate. Mm-hmm. So my question, I, this is my question I posed to you, and th- I don't know the answer to this, but how much 
did the Kennedy assassination followed up by the Warren Commission cover-up of an assassination, even whether you know or not, whether you understand or not, there's so much question. There's so many people that don't believe what the government said happened because mm-hmm. the Warren Commission was the government. Yeah. Do you think this has any connection to QAnon and, you know, as we call it, the big lie of the, you know, the, the stolen election of 2020? Do you think that this, without the Kennedy assassination, not even the Kennedy assassination, but the cover-up, the sudden mm-hmm, mm-hmm, agreement mm-hmm. Yeah. almost nationally that our government could lie to us and we could accept it and move on, do you think that has some sort of reverberating ripple effect in sort of the conspiracy theories that we deal with and misinformation we deal with today? I do. I think that that the the, the QAnon and the big lie specifically, I don't want to say like modern conspiracy theories ruin all other conspiracy theories because that's not fair because it's, you know, each thing is its own thing. I do think that the conspiracy theories of QAnon and the big lie are absolute horseshit. There is no factual evidence that can cross-reference and prove each other right or wrong. It's it does not work. That is But they easily, believe there is. But though they, they, they But the belief is bullshit, Don. We're talking about facts. And in nineteen sixty-three when the president of the United States was was killed, the American public needed to know what the fuck was going on. And I believe that the government, with with good intentions... Oh, were, I don't think it was good intentions or, at well, all. Well, hang on, if hang you on, look at, hang If on, you look at the dudes on. that were on the Warren Commission... The, the, uh, aside from three dudes on that war commission who at the end of it said, this is bullshit, I don't sign off on it. Everybody else okay. bought into it. And the most and the primary was Dulles, who is the former head of the of, of the CIA. Kennedy who had fired been fired by GFK. Over. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. think he was part of this. But that's just but I uh, think, what do I know? I wasn't I, there. I wasn't I, even born. I do think that there was a degree of The president of the United States was killed. We've got to control this shit. We cannot make it about... We cannot scare our people because they're already scared. We cannot scare them anymore. We have to let them think that we have this shit under control. And I I believe that the Kennedy assassination ramped up the Cold War, ramped up the uh, negativity toward Russians... It, it exacerbated all of it. All so of that here's bullshit a que- that was sitting. Going, going to the heart of the question I just asked. So what you just described was the government saying we need to let our population believe that we have things under control. We have to give them an answer. And an answer is we have that to- one crazy Lee Harvey so, Oswald. So, all right. So here's my question. Yeah. How much does that decision at that time... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To lie to the American public because I think we both agree they lied to the American public. I mean, there's no, there's no doubting it that the okay. Kennedy assassination. So they lied. Changed so, everything. So, it changed so, our, our safety. So my question it changed is the way we trust our government. 
there's so many other so things. my question yeah. is so yeah. we need to protect the public from panicking so we're going to tell them a lie so that they feel like we've got control how much of you how much of that that statement that rubric that uh paradigm fits the narrative of the pandemic And I'm not a conspiracy theorist when yeah, it comes to the pandemic. Right. No. But how much of that applies? And is there then, if, if in fact, we can say, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that possibility. We've done it nah. before. We've no, done I, it before. I, I, I think... Why wouldn't we do it again? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Right. No, I'm not saying. I see what you're saying. I'm not saying that that's what happened. What I'm right. saying is. There is it, a reasonable expectation yeah. from some portion of the population to look at the government saying we've got it under control and seriously questioning that government and that answer. Is it really that unreasonable given what our country has endured in the past when it comes to these vast pieces of propaganda created yeah. to sort of assuage the, the anxiety of the general population. Well, I, I think that a lot of that that distrust of, of, of government and QAnon exists in part because of the history, of, of, of America's history, of the history of the Kennedy assassination and the questions that come to light there, of the distrust of government because of the Kennedy assassination, because of Watergate, because of... Yeah, yeah. You know, even... I, mean, I, I ran you know, contra. Keep I, going. I, I There's contra, a million I, of them. I was going to yeah. say, like, you know, Gerald Ford is the most ineffective president that ever existed, arguably, I guess. But, well, no, fucking arguably, because I don't think he was. I think that by him letting Nixon off the hook, he created this idea of the government's going to protect itself... Mm-hmm. And that was 1972, 1973. That was yeah. a decade after the Kennedy assassination. The House mm-hmm. Select Committee on Assassinations was 1972. So he, it was barely after that. So we, we had this question of, wait, but that's what happened to our president? And you're telling us this? And now the guy who was on the House Select Committee or the, on, uh, rather the Warren On the Warren Commission. Commission. Who actually who was who a Republican. moved? Who actually moved right. without any credentials from vertebrae three? Yeah, the bullet wound in the back of Kennedy. He literally, he did, and I, I used the word literally, and then I suddenly feel like a millennial. But he he took he without any credentials, and this is in the documentary. Right. Simply changed the text. So and and took the arrow that moved the bullet wound in the back of Kennedy so that it fit the magic bullet narrative. Right. So you've got that a was Gerald Ford. That was Gerald Ford was that not did elected, that. He was not elected to the vice president. He was not elected to the presidency. But he was a guy who was attached very, very specifically to oh, a yeah. point in American history that is yeah. filled with doubt and question and uncertainty mm-hmm. and 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 worry. And I, so that's why, like, the Kennedy assassination is so much bigger than just Jack getting killed and who Mm -hmm. shot him and why. There are, there are all these, there's, 
if, if we think of it like a river system, right? Kennedy is killed. There's like the Mississippi of who did it and why. But there's all these tributaries of what did Ford say? What did the what was Oswald's involvement? What did the CIA do? Who why and and who and what did Russia like what did that mean for the rest of the world? Like there's it's it is a river system through the United States that we've never quite managed to understand or figure out because we get caught up in this bullshit. And I don't think that QAnon today and the big lie is anything like the Kennedy assassination because the Kennedy assassination, like there's a lot of wacky shit out there, but a lot of it does connect and align with factual, uh, uh, tangible things QAnon and January 6th and whatever the fuck else, it's all bullshit. Like, I would suggest... Way, it's, it's it's not. To, to close it out, I would suggest that I think you're right. But I also would suggest that all it takes is an overwhelming skepticism at the honesty of the government... Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, it's also like... That begins a, that begins a cycle. Yeah. That produces... Cycle is important. Cycle That produces important. a QAnon mm-hmm. and a big lie conspiracy that people believe. Because you, at a certain point, you don't need factual information. Because the factual... I mean, my argument would be, we're not getting all the factual information about the Kennedy assassination... That happened in 1963 until now. So there, whether it's reasonable or not, I was going to say reasonable, but I don't know if it's but the reasonable. Way that, the but, way that we handled the Kennedy but assassination the dis- affects the distrust, what we're handling yeah, now. Like exactly. The, 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 distrust, com- the, the, country. the distrust of the government, yeah. I think, has become a point of almost unreasoning distrust because... Our government has proven time and time again now at this point, since, really since then, that it is not trustworthy, that it will lie to the public to proliferate its power. And and so I'm not saying I, (laughs) I certainly am not saying I buy into anything QAnon are saying or anything anybody that's proliferating the big lie are saying, but I can say that understanding sort of how this country had to swallow the Warren Commission despite not believing it and now finding out what <laughs> shit it is, what shit that was. It's, it's insane. It ma- the Warren Commission... It, makes com- it absolutely makes complete sense that there are citizens of this republic that are willing to believe that Hillary Clinton eats babies like I eat num, bacon. Num, 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 num. It makes sense that there that those people exist because there is a rational reason for them to believe something is amiss. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. First thing is a read. I'm going to read Oswald Talked. It's a book that focuses on Lee Harvey Oswald, and this was the book that kind of broke me as a person because <laughs> I, like... The Kennedy assassination and the, and 
was a fucking big part of my personality during my early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And I read Oswald Talks and I was like, wait a minute. What? Like, it just, it, it just shifts things a little bit. It makes, it makes all of the obvious things that we all know that the, even, even the, 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 um, uh, the Oliver Stone stuff and Oliver Stone is, I, I think an ally of mine in, in the Kennedy assassination. But he goes a bit, is he, he is he an ally? Broad. He goes a bit broad, but there's a lot of stuff like, him. yes, man. Yes, man. But Oswald talks is a really interesting read and it, it, it brings to, to light a lot of how police dealt with Oswald, how the FBI, how the federal government dealt with Dallas police and Oswald. And it's just, it just, it, it, it does complicate the simplicity the of the complicated story. It's very, right. yeah. Yeah. So All Oswald, right. my talked. first Oswald talk, who's it by? I don't know. It's up in my bedroom. I don't we'll look it up. Me. All right. Sorry. All right. So uh, I, my it's first thing is a read. It. My first thing is a read that goes back to our first topic tonight. It is in The Guardian. It is by Douglas Wolk, W-L-K, W-O-L-K. Okay. Good Jewish The title boy. of it is, yeah, the title of it is I read all 27,000 Marvel comics and had a great time. <laughs> Here's what I learned. And it's a great, it is a really excellent piece about a guy who years ago committed to reading, he wrote a book about it, but reading every Marvel comic book written and what he kind of got away from. And I think it's, it's in terms of the Marvel thing, it's quite complimentary and very funny. It's a great article Uh, in, in the Guardian culture, Douglas Wolk. W-O-L-K, I read all 27,000 Marvel comics and had a great time. Here's what I learned. That is my first thing. Okay. That sounds like fun. It's it's a blast. It's a really great read. It's a really great read. All right. My next thing is a watch. It's watch JFK. Watch Oliver Stone's JFK. It's a, Mm -hmm. you know, it it is not the explanation or the end-all be-all of the Kennedy assassination and everything, but it is a good introductory 101 course it's what got me into it and it's it's i think it's really well acted i think it's really well cast um, yeah i mean john candy uh donald it's Sutherland, one of the f- it's that, one of the few movies you're gonna see uh joe pesci in oh my god joe not, pesci at, as joe as uh david ferry right yeah david Ferry and and if you uh if and and he's so good he's so he versus, good as david ferry no wait a minute um, who is it? It's not. It's it's uh no no that's not who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. God yeah. damn it, he's so good in this movie. You good yeah. looking. You know we should have Rory Zacker on this because Rory Zacker and I have a JFK connection. But anyway, all right. The other we'll have thing that is, conversation is, later. As Lee Harvey Oswald is Gary Oldman, who is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like it is scary how how Lee Harvey Oswald he he is. Well, he's a great actor. He's, he's a great such actor. Such a good actor. He was Severus Snape, man. Uh, no, but before he was Severus Snape. Yeah, yeah. He Come was on. Lee Harvey Oswald, and it's no wait a minute. That's not crazy. That's not Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman was. Uh, yeah. He was Severus Black. Sorry. Sirius Black. Sirius Black. Whatever his name is. Oh I don't yeah, give a Severus shit. Snape was. Uh, 
was uh, Rickman. Yeah, Alan, Alan Rickman. All right, my Die, second thing. Where Alan Rickman famously said in the movie Die Hard, this is not a Christmas movie. There you go. Um, all right, my so my second thing. My second thing is a watch as well. It is uh, watch <laughs> if you have Showtime. Watch JFK Revisited through the Looking Glass. It's Oliver Stone's latest salvo to uh, to to essentially cast massive doubt on the Warren Commission, and 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 he really makes a pretty good case. I don't know if he makes a good case that the CIA did it. I th- I think it. You know, my, I was convinced that yeah, it's definitely CIA. That Oliver uh, Stone is really good about casting him. doubt, reasonable doubt. He's really good, but he's. I'm bad telling at you, cases if, for well, who there's actually not the ev- did it? Yeah, there's not the evidence of who actually did it, but he has some really the the first. I want to say three quarters of this are. Here's why the Warren Commission is bullshit, and yeah. I am absolutely convinced that the Warren Commission is thoroughly, start to finish, bullshit. It is. Which means there's yeah. some other explanation, and his explanation in this in this documentary is that it was probably CIA. I will watch the four-hour version. Yeah. I'm not that invested in it, but I really am fascinated in some ways. So I'll watch that. So uh, I recommend okay. that you watch JFK Revisited. Through the Looking Glass on Showtime by Oliver Stone. That is my second thing. My third thing is a do. And, you know, no rush on this, guys, but uh, go to the LBJ, the Lyndon B. Johnson Presidential Library Museum in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I, so what, one of my, you know, bucket list things is to see all the presidential libraries or their places of birth or if they don't have one like if they don't have like a, a home to yeah. go to to go to like their grave or something but like hit all like the president's things right have you been to the hall of presidents wax museum in colorado springs i have and i fucking hate it because i don't like wax museums i hate them oh i love I wax museums and that's the best presidential wax museum it's not given I mean, that it's, it's the, the only best well it's the only yeah. presidential wax museum but yeah. it's really it's awesome the best it's the best it has a, it has yeah. it has a wax muse- it has a wax bust of abraham lincoln whose eyes move nope. it has a nope, wax it has nope, a wax stop. scene of andrew nope. johnson at the deathbed of abraham Jesus lincoln and either Christ. abraham lincoln's wax figure nope. breathes it's nope. fucking awesome nope terrifying horrifying it's awesome shit. It's awesome. But the thing about the LBJ Museum, and this is it's connected to my JFK thing, is because yes, I, you know, I was thirteen when I watched the the Kevin Costner uh, Oliver Stone JFK. So for most of my life, I and I've I've read and I've watched and I've studied and all this other shit. That that part that's my most that's my favorite part of American history is that that post World War Two. Cold War era, which is you know Vietnam and JFK and LBJ, but I've always associated LBJ Lyndon Johnson with Vietnam and the failure that is, and that he's a murdering fucking monster, and the JFK assassination that he either was in on it or benefited greatly from it or hated the Kennedys and the Kennedys hated him. Like he's always been associated with Kennedy. Yeah, and when, when I went to his library. And his museum. It changed everything for me. It's been, it, it, like you see him as, 
as is a man, as a, as a human American, as a, a senator, as a as a as a um, representative who like legitimately wanted to end poverty in America. So you look at the Civil Rights Act and this and the Voting Rights Act, the Great Society, the Great, the great yeah. Society, and you're like, oh, this is not just this fucking douchebag who just killed the other two liberal president trying to fucking get ahead in the game. He meant he meant it. He cared. He actually gave a shit. I mean, of course he was flawed. Of course he was a son of a bitch. We all know all about the Johnson treatment and everything else. And the, his library and museum is very fair to him. But it it like it really uh, it changed my perspective on him. Like he was a really really he was a shit president, but he was a really good legislator for the American people. I don't and know if you can and say. I, and I would say, as he, president, he forced he was a great the passage. Uh, he, I was going to say, for he the American forced people. the. He really did force the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So you can I mean, say he he's Johnson a ship president. Shit. You you can say he was a ship president, but that was a significant piece of legislation that he. And the he thing was. about it is, unlike unlike Biden, if you didn't fucking vote his way, he came down and fucked you up. He yeah, and. And for good or ill, because what that also did is it did create. There was he was southern, a bully. The Southern Democrats. He did not take fuck he, you for Republicans, so and he, he like, went he after did create like a new kind of Southern yeah, racism. But he he felt yeah. All right, I agree with but you. He was, all right, it's, that's good. It's a very and it, and it is a beautiful museum. And the weirdest thing about it, tying it right back to JFK. Yeah, not, not weird, but in a way. I don't. I don't. It's 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 really emotional. It's mind fucking and it's brilliant because you you cannot have a Johnson presidency without a Kennedy assassination. That's it. Just doesn't happen. Yeah. But at his museum, his Kennedy assassination is this this hallway, and I don't mean to. It. it, it it's not just. It's a hallway. Yeah. Fuck it. But it's this this part of the museum. That is this black, somber moment. Oh, yeah. These little screens along the way that just show Kennedy being killed. And then there's like a plaque or like, you know, where this is like on November 22nd, but like he gives like the brief. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's very, it's very um, uh, succinct and somber. And then you're back on to 1963. The rest is 63 and 64 and what yeah, Johnson's yeah. doing. His presidency, his yeah, yeah. But like it... It's a presidential library, of course, you've got to acknowledge it. It really yeah. pivots in this brilliant way that made me, somebody who is very well versed in, I, I think anyway, in that, you know, 1960 to 1968, like that's my shit. It changed everything for me. So like go to fucking Austin and do the library museum because the LBJ, it, it's it's... It's fascinating. It really is. All right. Well, my my third thing is a lot easier than traveling to Austin, Texas. Um, not everybody loves Joe Rogan, but enough people love Joe <laughs> Rogan, and <laughs> and more people love Joe Rogan and listen to the Joe Rogan experience than almost any media in existence today. Um, I'm going to recommend we're the like Joe- a close five hundred and seventy five thousand millionth to his listeners. Yeah, yeah, we're way down there. But I'm going to recommend the Joe there. Rogan Experience. This might be a first for the Apecast. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to recommend the Joe Rogan Experience episode 
this says a lot. We're on this is episode 216 for us. Yeah. yeah. I'm recommending episode number 1759 of the Joe Rogan Project experience. He interviews Oliver Stone. And of course, they talk about the documentary. He has a few tasty morsels. It's I mean, it's it's what I like what I love about Joe Rogan is Man, it's a it's a good solid two hours of him talking to Oliver Stone, which, man, give it a choice. I would love to talk for two hours with Oliver Stone. Yeah, but it actually is substantive. Um, yeah, it covers some of the ground of the documentary. But Oliver Stone is like you. Yeah. To be honest with you, where he's yeah. like, he's got so much fucking information in his head. You trip over that it is, constantly. Th- that it's really hard for him to say, <laughs> how do I answer this question and not take three hours to do it? Right. It's a really good, but th- what I love about, uh, you know, you, again, you don't have to like Joe Rogan. Um, I don't know if I like Joe Rogan, but I appreciate his curiosity because he really yeah. is coming at, he's coming at Oliver Stone just curious about about all of this and mm-hmm. he asks really good questions yeah. and stone really gives him good answers and it's a great episode and i highly recommend it so my third thing is the joe rogan experience episode 1759 with oliver stone you can find it on spotify and there's your apecast uh there's your jfk shit don't blow your brains out over it um <laughs> jackie was hot i don't know we'll talk to you next week Rock and roll. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.